Hi, everybody. This could turn out to be a really bad idea if my phone ends up in the drink, but I am currently standing in Kedron Brook, and that is the Shan Street Bridge that you can see, and hopefully not hear too loudly behind me. I don't know if you've ever felt like you were somehow out of place, like you're something of a fraud, like if people could uh, know what was going on inside your head and your heart that they might not accept you anymore. Uh, I was reading a, uh, an article recently, uh, an academic article from a journal of behavioral science and uh, the people who wrote this article said that up to 70% of people at some point in their life will suffer from something that psychologists call imposter syndrome. Now, in uh, the world of tertiary education, where I spend a bit of time, this is surprisingly common. Uh, that it's kind of ironic that people who uh, might be the world expert on you know, one particular little piece of knowledge uh, suffer from this sense of being a fraud, suffer from this sense that uh, they might be found out for, for not being as smart as their job suggests that they are. Uh, but it isn't just something that happens professionally, it's something that happens in people's personal lives too, where they, they have a, a deep fear somehow that um, their friends uh, might not really know who they are and might not understand that they're more ordinary or maybe somehow less likeable uh, than they seem to be. Ring any bells for, for you? Um, this is something I think that, that is deep within us as human beings. It's something that uh, the majority of people will experience uh, in some facet of their life. This sense that um, maybe they're not who other people think they are. Maybe somehow inside of who they are, they're, they're less than, they don't belong. Uh, maybe you've looked at the way that other people relate and you think, how come it comes so easily to them? When I talk, do I seem like I fit in? If this kind of can happen for us as human beings on a, on a kind of a, a physical level, I think it, 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 it can occur on a spiritual level too and, and maybe the physical kind of like plays into that. Um, I remember growing up in church circles, sometimes you'd go to a conference or something and, and you'd hear someone speak and they'd talk about their relationship with God like, yeah, I woke up this morning and God told me very clearly to do this or to do that. Um, maybe you've seen other people have spiritual experiences or they, they've, they've spoken of spiritual experiences that they have and you're just like, that never happens to me. I don't feel that. Uh, I don't know if I hear God that way. Is the person up on the platform like hearing the audible voice of God? I just maybe get feelings sometimes and I'm not sure whether they're from God or not. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's that, you know, your thought life 
the challenges that you have to keep your heart and mind on the right track. It might scare you because people don't necessarily talk about what's going on for them internally in a public way. And you wonder, do other people have the struggle that I have? Uh, and it's too scary to like bring it up because what if they don't? What if they judge you? What if all of a sudden it's confirmed that actually you're not the person or the Christian uh, that you've been showing people that you were or that people have assumed that you were all this time. I think what Paul is addressing in this passage that Jake read for us this morning. Hey, thanks Jake. It was so great to hear from you. Uh, if you haven't met Jake yet, he, uh, he has been coming to Cornerstone for a few months recently. But years ago, he kind of grew up in Cornerstone, so uh, he's come in during the COVID season and uh, I'm sure that you'll get a chance to meet him if you haven't already sometime soon. But this passage that Jake read, I described it recently to somebody like Paul turning on a fire hydrant. I don't know if you've ever seen a fire hydrant just gushing with power. Uh, some of the naughty kids at my school turned one on once when I was in primary school and we couldn't turn it off and um, we got in big trouble, but it was just spewing liters of water. You couldn't stand in front of it without being knocked over. I think what Paul is doing here in Ephesians is turning on a fire hydrant of grace. And let me tell you why he's doing that. It seems from a few of his writings uh, that go out to the churches in Asia, like Ephesians, that there were people in the early church of a Jewish descent who were kind of claiming uh, a first-class citizenship as Christians and relegating Gentiles to a second-class citizenship, right? Uh, Jews had this long history with God, right? Ooh. Got a chopper coming over, I don't know if you can hear that. This long history with God. Uh, if we go in the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures all the way back to Abraham. Centuries back, even from Jesus' time, God says to Abraham, it's going to be your offspring. It's going to be your children, the Jews, who are going to be my special people. And I'm going to give you my word and I'm going to give you my law and you're going to be different and you're going to show people in your difference who I am. Imagine that coming through to Gentiles in the first century. These Jews who had this relationship with God that went centuries, maybe millennia back, and they had all this tradition that goes with it. And they're still working out what's the place of these non-Jews in this spiritual movement following Jesus that has deep Jewish roots. Paul has what he calls a revelation of the mystery of Jesus Christ, that actually the Gentiles are to be included as God's children, equal with the Jews. And you can imagine as this kind of 
rift, this tension plays out in this early Christian community, that there would be so many ways that Gentiles might feel inferior to the Jewish Christians that they encountered. Jews seemed to know God so much further back. Jews had an explanation for why they lived the way they did, that they could trace back to the God that Jesus Christ talked about and Paul goes on to show us actually is a kind of a first and second class citizen thing happening. Of course, the Gentiles might have doubted their place in the story that Jesus and the leaders of the early church told about what God was doing in history. And Paul has a revelation from God that the Gentiles are to be included as equals, brothers and sisters. You know, we could feel insecure, we could feel like outsiders on so many levels in this life. But actually, there's none more significant if we come into faith in Jesus Christ than this spiritual level, right? Do we deserve to have this relationship with God? Do we belong here amongst God's people? Of course, sin means that we don't, right? Uh, we don't actually deserve to have a relationship with God. Maybe you can have some insight into this from human relationships. Maybe you have met one of these people who is just too perfect, right? I don't know if you know someone like this. Maybe they're just too good looking and you feel like a frump when you're around them. And so it's almost like you don't really want to be around them. Maybe they are just so healthy you don't want to give them a lift in your car because they'll see the junk food wrappers stashed behind the seat. Maybe you don't want to go round to their place for dinner because their kids are just so well behaved and you know that yours uh, can be little rat bags or you know your kids just don't live up to uh, some sort of picture of behavior that you think that these people have. Do you know what I mean? You know that scenario, you know that feeling where it's like, I don't know if I can be in relationship with this person because even if it's just in my head, I don't live up to the standards that they set somehow. How much more profound is that with like a holy God, with a God who is sinless? Um, and maybe you know this feeling too, like we feel like we can't come into God's presence. We don't deserve to be in relationship with God because of all the junk that's going on in our life, in our heart, in our mind. And Paul turns on the fire hydrant that we uh, encounter here in Ephesians, and particularly in Ephesians 3. He talks about the unsearchable unbounded grace that comes through Jesus Christ. There is no end to this, Paul says. 
knowing that there were these tensions in the early church between Jews and Gentiles. It's like he's saying to the Gentiles, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. You are not a second-class citizen. You're a first-class citizen. There is no end to the love that God has for you. There is no end to the grace that God is going to show you. It's um, like Paul, I described it to someone this week, is just wanting to give them a huge big hug in grace and say, don't doubt for a second that you're a child of God. Don't doubt for a second, even if you're a Gentile, that you are right in the center of God's plans. In fact, Paul uses this language. Uh, we talked about it last week, but it comes again, uh, again through in this week's passage where he says, the mystery is that God had planned before history, before the foundation of the world, that you would be a part of this story. So sure, the Jews have centuries of story and tradition of connection to God, but actually it happened before that, that God chose you. If you are one of God's children, there are no second class citizens, whether you're Jew or Gentile. He had this in mind before the very foundations of the universe were laid. As with last week, it's kind of like, well, that's really interesting, but um, what's the relevance of the Jew and Gentile thing for us in 21st century Australia? I was thinking about it and I was thinking, you know, there's probably no bigger, deeper sort of potential rift that could occur if there were going to be first and second class Christians. Um, the, the fault line that could run between Jew and Gentile might be the most profound because yes, it is true that Jews have this much longer tradition with the God of the Bible than Gentiles did in the first century or you and I do if we're not Jewish. And Paul goes after that, he sees it right at the center of the Savior's plans that Jews and Gentiles, that all humans would know that they are God's children, that they can be God's children, that they're at the center of God's plans. So in some ways, the things that we feel might disqualify us, the things that we feel might make us second-class citizens like do we hear from God in this way do we have a spiritual experience you know like a profound manifesty spiritual experience like other people do they pale in comparison really they should it's like God in, is saying through this passage in a way that applies to us in this moment in time whatever it is that you think might make you disqualified somehow from God's purposes and plans. It doesn't matter to God. Maybe you've had an experience as a woman who's a Christian where you felt like you're a second-class spiritual citizen, citizen compared to, to men. I think the application of this passage is that that is profoundly untrue. There are no second-class sons and daughters. Maybe you 
have had some uh, some some sense of wondering whether you know like you should be in some kind of ministry and you know like maybe it's only like pastors and missionaries that really occupy the center of God's plans and purposes I think the application of this passage is that is so untrue there are no second-class citizens in God's kingdom there are no second-class sons and daughters maybe it's like a uh, you, you know, a, a race or a class thing where you're like, well, well people who, who are, are highly literate and can really read the Bible uh, in this kind of technical way, maybe they're somehow ahead of me in God's plans. I think the application of this passage is that that is so untrue. Paul just wants you to know that God's love for you is unstoppable god's grace for you is unsearchable that god's plan for you was established before he even created the world don't go judging your life against other people's lives god doesn't use the same criteria that we use there is no second class sons and daughters in god's family there are no second class citizens in the kingdom of god you if you call jesus your lord and savior if you depend on him are as much in the center of god's plans as anybody else what's the application of this just quickly i think we have to remind ourselves of this truth I'm not a second-class son or daughter. I'm not a second-class citizen. I think we need to remind each other of that. I think we need to be so wary of things that might creep in to our practice of faith that might give people the impression that there's some sort of first or second-class citizen system in the kingdom because there's not no one Christian is more important than another no one or one son or daughter is more valued and loved than another i'm going to pray for us quickly thank you god um, for the unsearchable unending unstoppable grace and love that you have shown to us and made available to us through jesus christ god i i pray that if there is anyone uh, in our midst who has had moments of wondering whether they were good enough, has had moments of wondering whether they were really at the centre of your plans. Well, of course, none of us are good enough, God, and that's why we need your grace. But God, I pray your grace and love would be rushing into hearts that are a bit bruised, maybe hearts that are a bit tender this morning, assuring us that we're at the center of your plans we're at the center of your love and affection and attention lord help us to live that out as brothers and sisters help us never to give one another the impression that we feel like we're better or worse than others help us to live in a revelation of the fact that you love us all the same when we come to you you have a plan for each and every one of us.
Amen. Hey, God bless you. I'm going to hike out of here. Have a great weekend. Bye.